Hey guys, welcome back to the conversation with my friend Josh King as we wrap up our just wandering conversation through all kinds of fun issues. I hope you enjoyed episode one, part one. And if you did not listen to that, we are literally jumping right back into the middle. So make sure you go check that out before coming on over here so it all makes sense. But I'm so excited to share with you what we can do about all of these issues we're facing. Let's check it out. This is the Gaining My Perspective podcast, and you're hanging here with me, Wendy Cunningham. You're here to get empowered, inspired, informed, and encouraged as we navigate the everyday journey of this crazy life. Stick around, because we're going to laugh, and we're going to learn. And above all else, we're going to gain perspective. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. So I want to switch a touch to... I see CRT as such an identity. You, you said identity idolatry in the email you sent me. I was like, oh, that's so good. That's really a good phrase. And you also, in our other conversation said, we need to coin the phrase transing, right? So how I see CRT and, and this sexual identity stuff happening in schools as related and linked because they're essentially a disruption to how we view ourselves, right? They're, they're implementing thoughts for all of us as to how we should view ourselves, how we should feel about ourselves, how fluid we should be, et cetera, et cetera. So what, what is your experience in the sexuality side in terms of this transgender agenda that's happening in our school systems? I think it's, um, you know, first of all, I'm not a physician or a clinician, so especially in the psychology world, but I, I, what I see and what I, I think I read in, in a lot of the literature is that, you know, we are, um, we're mainstreaming, we're trying to mainstream a focus on the, these unique individual characteristics that, um, you know, and I, I, I want to separate CRT and I want to separate that from, from the sexuality or sexual, uh, the gender identity thing, because <clears throat> CRT has a has a history of with a back of a background of slavery. Now, how that is how that history is told accurately or or, sure. or it's fiction is one thing, and the way people approach that is different than I think what the sexuality or gender identity is. Is you are <clears throat> I say you, but our society today has this affinity with gender and sexuality and 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 the individual mind like. It's all about the rights. You have the right to be whoever you want. This world without boundaries where, you know, there's no rules. You can be fluid. You can be mm-hmm. this and that. And that really is this, um, what I call this, it's an effect or a symptom of this infinite empathy that we have. Almost path- pathologic empathy where everyone who doesn't feel like they fit in themselves, mm. we really try our hardest to make sure that not only they have a path to achieve whatever identity they want. We're accepting that to be fluid. For example, at our school, several of the children believe and act like they are cats 
at school. Mm. So they are put in part of class and they are allowed to act like cats during the class, during, during, during the school year. Um, that, that to me has some issues in terms of one, are these kids getting the mental care they deserve right. and that they, they need to have? Um, and it, is this the right place to put them in a, in a high school setting where that, I, I don't know the answer to that, but I can imagine that it's probably no based <laughs> off of what those kids need. Second of all, if you've got a whole class full of other kids who are observing this, and then that would be one thing. But the other thing is that we're mainstreaming that. It's okay to be this way. It's okay sure. to pretend in a world that we're, we're, you know, this gets into a world of biology where you actually have some medical professionals now really on the, the side of saying, you know, gender really is fluid. It's all hormonal level. And, and they go into this real genetic gymnastics move to try mm. to explain away this small portion of the population that truly is intersex, where there's the, the, the chromosomal normality is, is not there. And there's, that's a very small part of the population. The most kids, and there's some statistics you can find on this about, especially girls now, young teenage girls who now are, are more gender fluid. I mean, hmm. it's astronomical, the increase over the last five or 10 years. And that's not a physiologic change or some reckoning. That's a, that's a fad. It sure. is popular to, to have this viewpoint now. And so girls who are already through going through puberty, boys even who are going through puberty, who would normally figure their way out are now having this, it's okay, it's normalized, it's affirmed. And with a, so that's, that should be something that should be assessed by a family member, a physician, a psychiatrist, psychologist. They should take that child and really make sure that child is healthy mentally and physically while they work through these problems, which, you know, which resolve itself. Back to school, sorry. We've got a situation now, as I mentioned in Eau Claire, where teachers now are being expected to not only assess this potential in children, but positively affirm that in the school district and school setting so as not to upset the kids and then actively hide that from parents. There's, there's litigation. I, you know, the Wisconsin Institute of Law, Law and Liberty is a legal group um, in, in Wisconsin that takes on these cases to represent parents. And they've got active litigation going on for, for these same issues where schools have said, look, it's just, this is us. This is our responsibility with your kid. What your parent, you as a parent don't belong here anymore. And that is a, that is a tough pill to swallow. So normalization of this and then excluding parents are, when those two things are combined, I, you want to mobilize a mom, <laughs> you yeah. want you, your daughter comes back with a breast binder that's given to her by someone, a, a, an adult at school. So she can start transitioning and that's supposed to be kept silent away from the mom, but she finds that out. And then when the mom approaches the school, the school says, look, if you don't positively affirm her, this is abuse. You're abusing her. That's, right. what, that's what's being told. This is going on in our school district and it's going on in probably a lot more. That is, that is such a problem, but it's a, it's, a, it's a symptom of the thought that parents shouldn't be the ultimate say-so in their minor's development. And right. that's a problem that I don't, I can't imagine anywhere where an, another adult, not a family member or a doctor, right. talking to a seven or eight-year-old about their sexuality. It, it didn't, I'm Catholic. It didn't work for the priesthood. It hasn't worked <laughs> for a lot of places where an adult has a sexual conversation about identity or otherwise with a young child without their parents knowing. 
give me an example of when that is, is okay, except right. maybe the physician's office. It just doesn't make any sense, Wendy. And, and that's where I think you're getting a lot of pushback um, from families saying, we're not going to put up with this anymore. It just creates so much more confusion and angst and disruption in young children's development. And I appreciate you separating CRT and its historical foundation and where that comes from. The reason why I link the two is CRT is, you know, critical race theory based around critical theory going back to Marxist roots and, and Marxism generally the goal it, to way oversimplify this is to separate us from Christian Judeo values and foundations like gender and race that we're all created equally, right? All of these things. Also, you know, the, one of the commandments being that we obey and honor our parents. So again, a goal being to separate that connection, divide children. I mean, this is 1984, you know, like, it's just so wild that we're literally walking through this, but that's why I see these things as linked because the goal is the same and the, the roots of the mechanism in my mind are the same. This, this Marxism, this underlying Marxism, which kind of leads me to my next question, who is behind all this? How did we get this far? Where is this coming from? You know, what's the deal? So that's a man. There's a lot of uh, there's a lot of people that need to ra- raise their hands for that one. I, you know, if <clears throat> if you or your readers have never heard of Howard Zinn, you should you should look up Howard Zinn. Howard Zinn, um, interesting interesting career of trying to replicate the Marxist <clears throat> environment where it was a class based division classic Marxism to a race-based system in the United States. And this was in the 60s and 70s. And um, he published a book called The People's um, History of the United States. And Such a it's, good a, book. it's a, yeah, it's a historical, well, it's, a, it's a book of historical fiction that takes uh, pieces of um, literature over time and picks out certain parts of it, misrepresents them, and says, you know, like, for example, um, you know, Columbus coming to the new world mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. Columbus kept a pretty, pretty active journal. And in, in Howard's inversion, he cherries picked elements of this book without giving it context. Sure. And says, look how awful Columbus was. He came over here and he just killed the, the indigenous peoples. And, and it was he was a, that's not really the case. If you actually go and read the journal entry, he talks about how surprisingly um relatable the indigenous people were most of them some tribes were cannibals and he documents that and it's it's really a bastardization of what really happened and this is repeated through um the 60s in the united states it's repeated you know hmm. historically he just goes and and washes out a lot of the context and, and gives it to people who are clamoring for a reason to feel victim now sure. which is what we have so you have the howard zinn education project or the howard zinn project so they crank out this material and it's delivered to schools. And for example, when you know, I urge all of you who are listening to this, if you haven't started asking for information for your school, please do so. I, you know, in one of the requests we had, um, we found that the a librarian had disseminated material digitally through the school system, the entire school district. And it was a, a piece by the Howard Zinn Project. And they had a, they taught a lesson in this material on how to conduct a military style tribunal to find out who was responsible for COVID. This is a year or so ago. Hmm. 
So in eighth grade, so an eighth grade class on how to hold this military style tribunal. And they walk through all the elements and they give all these things. And they actually give you the answer at the end, who's responsible. And if I asked you who you thought was responsible for COVID, normally, I don't know, what would you say? Of, of the lab in Wuhan? <laughs> yeah, that would be a logical source. But that's where it came from. No, it was actually white supremacy. Oh, and then a, then sure. A, a step or two down was like Donald Trump. And then it was eventually China and, and the, the Wuhan lab. But that was that was secondary to white supremacy. So that's the context and the reality in which these, yeah, which these, which this group tends to work in. And, and that's a, that's a problem. Um, we live in an area that has, you know, if you look at who's funding your college communications program, classically, we have George Soros money of coming course. in. I mean, this is, and, and so it's, it's, and this is something you should all research because maybe it's not that way, but it is here. And the everything I'm telling you is have been things that we've uncovered over time, found evidence of, or been told flat out, this is the way we're going to do it. Your comment about in the curriculum, it's, it's blended in. Our su superintendent said, everything we do now is blended in all the curriculum. It's blended everything. It's not just one thing. So the sexuality, mm -hmm. all these things, they're all built in now. And that's been taught at the university level for two decades now. And it's really... I think there was a tipping point where I think they felt, you know, it's time to really make this, it's, it's okay to be public about this now because we have a mass of people who are now going to push this through the education system. And I, I think they're wrong. I think the numbers of people, at least in Wisconsin, who are taking their kids out homeschooling like you mm -hmm. are looking for private or, or Christian schools. That number is, is doubling and tripling. I mean, it's getting, it's huge now. And each side is holding firm. The, the government school system said, nope, this is the way we're going to do it. Yep. And that's it. And, and everyone says, that's fine. We're going to do micro schools. We're going to do this. And we'll meet you when these kids are adults and we'll see which ones, you know, are well-rounded and, and, and contributing. And ultimately, we all do want the same thing. When we all want our kids to grow up and be active, happy, productive people, content with their life, fulfilling a mission. Uh, having friends and, and, and outlive us. But man, that's a that's going to be difficult if you constantly see yourself as a victim that somebody's keeping you down. Sure. Um, and that, that would be what I think Carol Swain, uh, Dr. Carol Swain would tell you, is, is that there's no way to live and grow up with that kind of mentality. So sure. Um, yeah. Where are churches? Where are churches? Where should they be? Well, so where should they be as a, as a, as an, is a question that everyone's probably going to answer on their own. Sure. I, I think if you, so I'm Catholic, so I believe the Catholic doctrine, um, you know, nobody should be turned away from the Catholic church, but that doesn't mean, you know, I don't care what you're, what you're doing. Catholic church should welcome you in and, and priests and nuns should, should do every bit they can to make you feel like God loves you and you have someone there. I, you know, the churches we go to, my wife and I, I mean, I, it literally is that way. Um, mm -hmm. and, and, but unfortunately, um, on, on major topics, I just met with our, one of our local priests and I sat down with him and I asked him the same question. I said, here's some topics that are going on. First of all, he didn't know what CRT was. He'd never heard it wow. and I had to explain that. So that was a little bit of a, okay, where have you been? Um, <laughs> but, but he made a comment that was interesting. He said, look, I've, I've made a vow of um, obligation obedience, I'm sorry, vow of obedience to the church. And I, 
when the church, the archdiocese, archbishop, the archdiocese tells me what to think, that's what I'll put out. And I said, okay, I'm not sure Jesus would take a stand with this and, and, and having people you know, oppressed or feel oppressed or having these, this doesn't fit anything that he said in the Bible, mm-hmm. no matter what version you look, I don't see that. Um, the Torah, the Quran, no, nowhere does he say that this is the way it's going to be. So, um, so now I'm, 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 I went to our local Catholic university here in Madison, which is a very tough place to be Christian. It's Madison, mm. but, um, and the new president there is trying to change some things that were historically um, built that, that, that really weren't Catholic. And, and so I think the churches should stand up and say, this is what we stand for. That's mm-hmm. really difficult now because you've got the president of the United States who um, um, is de facto, you know, uh, believes in abortion and, and supports right. it. And the same thing with the Speaker of the House and Nancy Pelosi. So, so I think the churches should step up and, and really be strong about what we are, not placate. Like, look, the church is the way it is for a reason. And, and the guidelines they provide the Judeo-Christian guidelines that, that are, are provided in, in the Bible and the teachings and the gospel are only there to help make your life better and, and more contributing to, to society, especially your local family and beyond. Right. Um, so I wish they would do that. And I'm going to keep, I'm going to meet with the archbishop as, and anybody else, the local, the, the local bishop as well. Um, I just got an introduction to him. So I, I think the answer is going to be, how many people who are standing up for this in the community, in the parish, are going to stand up and say, hey, I'm fighting this fight, and I don't see much support from my church. And I think that's going to elicit the response from the church that that has to be done. But it's not, should go the other way around, but it's not. That's okay. So that's my next final question. Where do we go from here? What do we do about this? You kind of just said, you know, speak up, hold your, hold your, un, be unapologetic in the values that you hold, the things that are dear. I mean, this is truly, I'm more conservative than I'm Republican. You know, like that's just this idea of conserving things that should be conserved. And I'm, I I even call myself like a conservatarian, like libertarian even would be, I don't really mind if you need to do something that I don't believe in, if that's what you believe in, you know, like so long as you don't insist that everybody does it or believes in it or all the things, you know, it's, it's hard to, I think we do get really over committed to ideologies or, or titles like Republican or Democrat or what have you. Um, So what do we do in, in this, moment in history when all we feel like we can do is just hold on to our values. Should, should we be doing more things? Who do we talk to? What do we do? So again, that's a very particular um, question. I think everyone has to challenge themselves with, and, and <clears throat> I can tell you that you have one shot really at this life and to contribute to society and be beneficial with it. Um, so what I can tell you what we've done as a community, as a family, as a community. And um, I, I think everybody can do it because I'm just a guy. I'm like everyone else, right? There's no, you don't need any special training. You don't need to be a savant or have a you know high IQ or a high bank account. You don't have to have those things. You can just say, you know what? I'm tired of it. I'm going to speak up. If, you're, if you have children, I would very much suggest the first thing you do is you go talk to your teacher and talk about values. You talk to your principal. Talk about values. What do they stand for? Where they don't stand for? What are they going to allow? Talk to your superintendent. Get to know them. We did all that. And a lot of our teachers reached out to me behind the scenes and said, I'm 100% for you. Like, I, this is right. 
I can't say anything for fear of retribution, but if they know that you're a parent, that you believe in them, it's going to empower them. Something's going to happen. Second thing, run for school board, run for your village or city council. Get, it's scary to do it. I can tell you, I, I did it. I did it unsuccessfully, but we took a lot more votes than we probably thought we, the community thought we were going to get. And when you do that and you open yourself up and you talk about your values and you knock on doors and meet people and say, did you know this was going on? Many times they're like, oh my God, is there a sleep at the wheel too, Wendy? Everyone's just kind of trudging along, trying to stay above water and they've resigned the responsibility for their children's education and formative years. They've given that away to the government school to some degree. And it takes a lot of energy and a huge concussive effect of what's really knowing what's going on to wake them up so they can say, I have to devote energy now to surveilling what's going on in my school system. I have to sur surveil that now to make sure this isn't happening, this isn't happening, this isn't happening. What that's really going to mean is they're going to start thinking about who they're electing for school board so they can gain that trust back. Sure. So run for school board. If you don't win, you at least force opinions and philosophies to come out in the open drives transparency that way. I would recommend everyone find someone who can take on that responsibility. It's almost for no money, but it's worthwhile. I would, I would encourage you to do that. Um, if there's legal work that needs to be done, find a group like we have with Wisconsin Institute of Law and Liberty in that group. Find someone who's ready to challenge things that you find that are adversely affecting your kids. Have someone. There's a lot of legal talk. Find out what makes a good case. Find legal standing. And if you have standing, a lot of times somebody will, will, will pay for some of those legal fees and you can actually bring some of these things to your local or your state court. So don't be afraid of that. Um, we've got lawsuits on masks, the ability for a, an unelected bureaucrat to wield emergency powers for perpetuity, mm. which is crazy. Um, sexuality and minors, who, who's controlling how a kid does or doesn't transition from one sex to another all the way from like seven or eight years old up, even liberals like Bill Maher are talking about how crazy this is. So I think, right. I think we're catching on. The last thing I would say is, um, is get involved with a group of people who are like-minded. You and I have, you know, coincidentally a shared friend who's a, who's just an absolute dynamo in terms of making <laughs> sure, and she's been fighting sexual trafficking of, of minors for years now. And, um, and you talk about somebody who's mission and cause oriented, She's awesome. Find people who believe with you and sit around, share those and eventually say, OK, what are we going to do about it? Um, my group, we've actually started um, a, a nonprofit. Uh, C3 is the organization here locally. And our goal is to raise money um, to hold events. Last year, a group of us, our families held an event called the inaugural uh, Oregon First Responder Celebration. Back to red, white and blue. Love it. We we gave we raised money, we hired local food vendors to come out, and we fed the entire family, the, the police officers, fire department, corrections officers, Love dispatch, it. for all the local towns, we said, come in, show your ID, we'll pay for a meal for your family, and give your chiefs an opportunity to give awards out, and it was a beautiful night in September, we had a bounce house, face painting, we had all the, the EMS and fire trucks, three or 400 people showed up. People were crying. A woman came out and said, and said, hey, one of your police officers actually saved my husband's life with, I think it's 45 minutes of CPR. Oh my. Your, your police departments in your towns have, are getting 
destroyed with this defund police movement, which now everyone's going to claim they don't fund. You know, it's funny now how things work. Election polling cures defunding the police and it cures COVID. (laughs) But hold those events. Don't expect anything from them. I'm not running for office. I don't want anything. The time for to do something selfless and honor people who put their lives on the line in the middle of the night when you're sleeping, it's now. And if you do that, you'll be surprised at how people start building on. So this fundraising event's going to sponsor that. Maybe I love a, that. A, a race, a rodeo. We're talking bringing in music. We're going to do class Americana traditional family events to build this up. And then we'll also have a, a political action committee, believe it or not. We have a political action committee that we're going to actually start funding local candidates who want to support parents and teachers' roles in developing their kids together without some of this, this really powerful societal engineering change thing that's coming in. Nobody really wants that. We want to sure. make sure everyone under the sun is respected, independent of any immutable characteristics you have or any, or any such. We don't care. We just don't want that to be focused. You find value and content in your life based off of the contribution in your fit in society. And we want everybody to feel like they fit, but we're not going to impose on other people because something you've got going that you have to work out. And that seems harsh, but learning how to say no and say, no, we're not going to do that. We've lost that capability with this pathologic empathy. And we've, we've jeopardized competency in a lot of things in our life. Schools being one of them for this infinite empathy. So, those are just a handful of things that we're doing um, right now. And we plan to grow. We plan to do this across the state and try to raise awareness and build this traditional American value. And that's what I think is going to be impactful. And again, when you're not running for office and you don't have some quid pro quo associated with it, yeah. I tell you what, you sleep really well at night. You're doing something for your fellow man and you give hours of your life for that. It's meaningful and you develop friends for life. I love that. Love that. And I love the idea of, not just always being in a posture of defensiveness, you know, but taking an, I don't want to say offensive <laughs> role, because that makes it sound bad and aggressive, but proactive, let's say a proactive stance, as opposed to just always coming to fight the problem, go that, those are the ways that you solve the problems, right? Those are the ways that to your point, you, you sow those seeds of, heart connection with people in a, in a authentic way, as opposed to what did you say? Psychological empathy, what pathological empathy, pathological empathy. I love that phrase also. Um, that's really a cool thing. Send me that too. And I'll link that in the show notes so people can find that. Is there anything else you wanted to say or clarify before we wrap? Um, I don't know, Wendy, I think, you know, being on your podcast and, and, and seeing the reach that you have and being able to have a platform to talk about these things, factual events that demystify some of the things that you see on TV or news where, you know, this quote misinformation is going on. These are things that are actually happening. And when they happen to you, as a guy who's been apolitical his whole life, I mean, mm-hmm. I, you know, I have beliefs, but I've never donated to a campaign. I've never it forces me to. It forces me to say, to your point, I'm a, I'm conservative. I, I want to conserve nature. I want to conserve tradition. I want to conserve, um, you know, the, the the kind of rule of of, of law of God, and 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 I treat everyone the same and respect everyone. Yeah. Um, that's all being challenged, and I think if everyone can kind of see in themselves um, where they want this world to go, you talked about sowing seeds. I think that's a great that's a great saying. It's like we have to be able to positively impact 
our communities now because I think we've kind of taken it um, taken uh, taken for granted for quite some right, time right. now. So so be proactive. Um, I'm you know I've really enjoyed this. Uh, it's always good to talk about these things and get them out there. And maybe no solution today, but uh, but but sitting on the sideline isn't the solution for anybody anymore. So um, best of luck to to you. And and uh, this was great. And where can people follow you? Or I know you're doing a podcast, starting a podcast, launching a podcast. Tell us about that. I'm such a bad marketer. So uh, it's in development. So I think uh, we're going to plan on doing a local podcast, hopefully get it up here and soon in the next few weeks. Uh, we don't have a name finalized yet, but I'll make sure I send that to you so you can make people aware. But okay. what we'd like to do is take local topics and local experts and talk about things like dyslexia and lack of reading past fourth grade. If you don't know how to read past fourth grade, there's a good chance you enter the penal system and you go to yeah. prison because you can't comprehend and you can't get a good job and you have to divert. So getting experts in to talk about that, talk about local and state issues and really make people aware. Um, I think that is, is a proxy for what we're doing here, yeah. making people aware of local issues that sometimes they're too busy to understand on their own or find out. And so um, more to come on that, but uh, yeah, we're not going to leave any, uh, stone unturned and making sure that we get factual information out there so people can make better decisions about who they elect and um, and where they send their kids to school and, and what kind of role they want to play in their community. Going Love it. I'll keep you all posted as he tells me when he's launching his podcast and whatnot, but thank you so much. I so appreciate your perspective and just bringing your credibility to this conversation as a parent and, you know, as a American, gosh, thank you. I appreciate you. Awesome. Thanks, Wendy. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to rate this podcast and tell all your friends. And of course, catch me over at gainingmyperspective.com. Father God, thank you so much for the blessings hidden in this struggle. Lord, thank you for the revelation of areas that have been hidden in our families and children's lives, Lord, in these school systems, in just in the classroom, Lord. Thank you that COVID, although it was just so hard to deal with, that you opened our eyes through it, that you used it for good. What the enemy meant for evil, you used for good to activate moms and dads across this great nation to pay attention, to get involved, to fight on behalf of their children's minds and hearts and souls. Lord, we're just grateful for that. And we know this is just the beginning of what you have planned. Lord, we put our faith and trust in you. Amen.